1: Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of Dan Showcast on RotoViz Radio. Brass Bear friends over at Blue Wire on the RotoViz Radio Network. The first round of rookie drafts are in the books for most people. We're getting into the second wave a little bit as we hit into week two of rookie draft season. Dan, how is your rookie draft season going?
2: Uh, it's good. We get a lot of. A lot of said rookie drafts out of the way early. Some are late. Some are kind of in the middle to avoid the chaos of what is the end of the offseason and what is you know essentially rookie fever, which is right now. So uh, I've got them all over the board. Plenty remaining, but definitely have gone through the ringer, uh, even with the very few picks that I do have uh, in the places I did have them. I, I felt pretty good about a lot of the picks. I was able to move up in some scenarios and and trade into the first and snag some QBs and Superflex leagues. And aside from that, I think I was mostly trading down into that massive tier of mediocre players just because I wasn't in love with anyone with uh, the higher draft capital.
1: That sounds about right for this draft class. Lots of quandaries, lots of conundrums. But today we're going to pretty much go through all the main players that we did not cover last week. So make sure to tune into last week's episode to find out our takes on that group of players. So now we're just going to fill in the holes with most of the relevant players that are left. And we will be starting off with – last week we started off with Trevor Lawrence and said, okay, we kind of saw this coming all offseason. And another instance of this is Jamar Chase. I feel like we were projecting Jamar Chase – at five to the Bengals most of the offseason. You know, some people maybe were hoping for Sewell or maybe hoping for Pitts at five, but I think Chase is not, it was far from a shocking landing spot with the Cincinnati Bengals with Tyler Boyd, Joe Burrow and T Higgins. So my pre-draft take was that this does worry me for T Higgins upside. But from what I've seen in, in the aftermath, and we'll, we'll talk about some veterans next week and can go a little bit deeper into this, but I thought this would – I thought Jamar Chase would, would kill uh, – or I thought that T. Higgins would be overvalued and not be worth his price after a Jamar Chase selection. But it seems like his value has tanked from this selection to where he's now probably being worth like a fourth or fifth round startup pick. And that price, even with Chase in the building, I am buying T. Higgins. But also with Chase, I'm buying him too at the third, third round, maybe early second – I mean late second round price tag. He's got Joe Burrow. He's got a great young offense. And he's one of the better wide receiver prospects we've seen in recent
2: memory. Yeah. I, you know, it, there's a better places he could have gone, but honestly you get to, you get to play back with, with Joe Burrow. You've got some quality offensive pieces to kind of help free you up. So you're not smothered. And that also gives him the opportunity early on to, you just kind of be able to take it at his pace and, and kind of grow into the game. They're not going to probably force him into, double-digit target games right away because they do have T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Uh, I think the long-term effect here, obviously, is that Tyler Boyd isn't probably super long for a, a hefty target share or work possibly. I mean, he could be traded, whatever, but this this is a chase and Higgins for the future. Uh, I would assume Jamar Chase is going to occupy that 1A role, but uh, T. Higgins definitely shouldn't be getting discounted to the severity that he is. So uh, I I do like Jamar Chase quite a bit. Would have wished a a little bit uh, more, I think, yeah, empty depth chart would have been nice. You know, a a Dolphins pick would have probably been my favorite spot because I do think Tua can be that pocket passer. Uh, We had maybe hoped that he was going to be, but I'm not going to complain about getting Joe Burrow.
1: But we were also saying similar things about Lamb last year in the Dallas wide receiver, probably like, man, I wish he wasn't going somewhere. We had to compete with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, and now he's a top three, top four wide receiver in all dynasty. So um I'm, I'm not too scared off by the landing spot, but I think that there is a little bit of a cap ceiling on both him and Higgins because they're both so good.
2: I agree. I I, I think short term for sure with Boyd still in the picture, there's there's going everybody's going to be a little bit limited. You can't not everybody's just going to get 140 targets because that's just not how that's going to work, but. Uh, I think they'll get enough to be very relevant. And obviously, uh, what we saw from T. Higgins last year, we we know that he's special. We can only make the assumption that Jamar Chase is special at this point with the draft capital, with what we saw on college tape, and the fact that he looked so much better than Justin Jefferson in college, and now we see what Justin Jefferson is. So this this honestly should be good all around. And and I think in most cases, I'm going to be taking him 101. Uh, In obviously, non-Superflex or 2QB, he he would be my my top uh, skill position player there. Uh, But uh, one of the next guys coming down the list here in a little bit, I think, will be uh, making a push for that top spot, potentially.
1: And so, as of now, we're recording on May 11th. If you had a 1QB, you know, 101, are you going with Chase or are you going elsewhere?
2: I think I'm always more of like a best player available rather than team need. But I mean, if I was if I was like nine deep at wide receiver or something, I would probably go Kyle Pitts. I don't think I'm ever going to go running back first here Uh, again, unless I'm super loaded and I, I have the luxury of being able to take a team need, then maybe I would consider Travis Etienne or Najee Harris. But um, yeah, I think I'm going Jamar Chase in almost every scenario.
1: Yeah, I think that the broad top tier in 1QB is Chase, Pitts, Harris, ETN in, in some order. But I think that the more narrow tier is Chase, Pitts. Like, I think that you, you can see those two go one, two, either way. And you're not going to like fret, like, oh, he should have got like Chase should have gone one or Pitts should have gone one. Um, especially when we're taking account into team need. Like, you know, teams that are loaded by receiver might be more interested in Pitts. So let's move on to Kyle Pitts. Fourth overall pick by the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Julio Jones' trade rumors have been swirling as of late. Um, about a possible post-June 1st trade uh, once his, you know, cap hit becomes less expensive, or whatever it may be. So with Kyle Pitts... I, I've talked about it on several platforms now, but like it just seems like such an odd fit for a team that probably should have gone into rebuild mode. They went into let's try and make a run mode by selecting Kyle Pitts. Granted, okay, Kyle Pitts is not going to be bad in like four years; he's going to be a long haul prospect. But I feel like this is more so looking for the best, the, like making the Falcons better for this year rather than the next several years.
2: I genuinely think it's a best player available scenario, and honestly, they made this pick maybe. Uh, you know, maybe they were stuck in between going chase Pitts or whoever else maybe could have been on the board or, for or, them. There. Or,
1: or or they were waiting for Lance to fall.
2: True, they they could have went quarterback here if if one of their what I would pres- you know perceive as as probably Trey Lance or Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, we knew Trevor Lawrence wasn't going to fall. Um, this this one honestly just felt like they drafted knowing that they weren't going to have Julio on the roster. Um, Good friend of the show Ryan McDowell had tweeted that he had spoken with someone on the inside and pretty much every time I see Ryan make tweets like that, his inside information is basically 100% accurate. He doesn't make those claims very often. When he does, it usually happens. Um, So I would imagine Julio Jones will not be an Atlanta Falcon. The downside potentially to Pitts is... How many years does he get with Matt Ryan? You know, Matt Ryan isn't a super quarterback, but he's a lot better than most. So, you know, when they make that changeover, maybe they do end up with a high-end QB coming out here in the next couple of years. But as of right now, I I think the real worry is how much time does he have with Matt Ryan? Because an offense with that's going to feature Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts mainly, and then whatever else they do at running back, is... That's going to be pretty high volume in the short term, especially if Julio Jones isn't involved.
1: Yeah, if Julio Jones is the building, granted, Kyle, I'll, I'll say this. Kyle Pitt's redraft price tag is done. He's being drafted at tight end three, tight end four. That's
2: done. Don't do that. Yeah, don't do that.
1: <laughs> but he could legitimately see 100-plus targets in first year's rookie if there's no Julio Jones. Because, like, who else are they throwing to? They're throwing to Mike Davis and Calvin Ridley, and that's really it. And I know Hayden Hurst is still there, too. But they're... There is such a devoid of targets if you take away Julio Jones. You know, uh, our boy uh, uh, Pete Pete Howard hates the term vacated targets, but there will be a vacation of targets (laughs) if Julio Jones is jettisoned from Atlanta. So with Kyle Pitts, we we talked about uh, this throughout the offseason as far as where his dynasty value is um, in maybe a tight end premium format. Um, Is he in the conversation with Trevor Lawrence for you, or is he – it's firmly cemented at the 102 inside end premium. I think I have him 103 inside end premium after Lawrence and, and Lance. Um, but I think that that is a very close tier tight end premium of Pitts, Chase, and Fields.
2: Yeah, it's it's a tough spot because you're putting a premium on such a scarce position that with the draft capital and the really good landing spot, we have to make the assumption at least at a high. Decently high percentage that Kyle Pitts is going to smash, and that, even if he doesn't, his resale value with even with time is going to be so high because of where he was drafted. And it's it's really hard to not want to take him. I, I would say honestly, right after Lawrence, I would have a really hard time passing on Lance and Fields both to take a tight end of all positions, but. There's so much upside in that because, you know, we we have the conversation all the time about, about the scarcity at the tight end position. And really there's two or three guys that are dominating it. And everybody else is, I mean, you'd rather just have like a kicker or something because we don't know who's going to score points and when they're going to do it. So if Pitts can end in that upper echelon, he probably deserves to go anywhere between one Oh two and one Oh four in super flex. So it's, it's tough.
1: And curious how crazy Kyle Pitts is a prospect. Uh, his updated comp score, uh, Rotovis, box score, scout, comp score, there isn't a single player with a comp score higher than 24, meaning there's literally nobody like Kyle Pitts that has ever existed. His comp <laughs> scores, which are all very low, are 24 or lower, are Noah Fancy, T.J. Hawkinson, Eric Ebron, Tyler Eifer, Evan Ingram. Basically, the only, only thing that those guys have in common with Kyle Pitts is that they were first round picks. Like that's the only way they like get in shouting distance of crowd This sounds hyperbolic, but like literally he's the best tight end prospect we've ever seen. The highest tight end ever drafted. I hate tight ends, but it's hard to like, you know, poo poo the the prospect of crowd picks.
2: Well, and that's, that's the other thing too
0: is- We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: Anybody that's ever listened to the show knows how much me specifically despises the tight end position, but us as a whole despises it. And the fact that we're even considering taking him anywhere near that top spot should speak volume. So I, I would say Pitts I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna, you know, say anything bad about anyone wanting to take Pitts 101 in non-super flex leagues. Any, any order of Pitts, Chase, and then maybe both running backs, I, I guess I still think it's Chase Pitts and then the running backs. But other than Trevor Lawrence in a super flex League, there's really no good answer there. I think it's hard to pass on the quarterbacks, but the advantage you potentially get with Kyle Pitts is massive.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history relive their decade of dominance in the new showtime sports documentary the kings a four-part series premiering sunday june 6th only on showtime nobody builds 5g like verizon builds 5g because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in america and the more you do with 5g the more building it right matters the more your network matters the more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.
1: Now let's move on to the next position player drafted with was the six overall pick. And we have Jalen Waddell going to the Miami Dolphins giving Tua a weapon, giving Tua... This was actually a theme on draft night of players reuniting with former teammates, Jamar Chase with Joe Burrow, and Jalen Waddle with Tua, and among other stuff... uh, Oh, and Devonta with with Jalen Hurts. So, Jalen Waddle... I do like the fit a lot here. Uh, Tua needed somebody to get separation. And Jalen was the best of the, you know, top few players at getting that separation at, you know you know, breaking plays open downfield. So I, I like the Waddle pick a lot. Some of his comp score, uh, Scout with his uh, six-foot pick at seven, and Mike Evans at 14, Lamb at 14. So those are some, you know, lower numbers, but basically his more, more you know, close comp is Mike Williams, and he's a first-round wide receiver. So I, I like what I'm seeing from Waddle. I haven't really gobbled up too many shares yet because I don't really like that tier of, Basically, I would rather trade back a few picks and see what I can get uh, on top of Bateman um, or on top of, you know, Sermon or something like that. So I haven't really gotten any yet. But I do I like him as a prospect. It's just a guy I'm not going to end up with a ton of.
2: Yeah, that's – again, it's a weird one. You know, if Tua turns into what we think he can be, that's that's probably a really, really good spot, obviously. But if Tua continues to be kind of what we've seen and he doesn't stay healthy, well, that's really not great. And they kind of – it's kind of a weird offense to me uh you've got Parker Fuller Gesecki, and now you bring in Jalen Waddle I mean does that does that move him to like the intermediate underneath slot role type things because Fuller is an outside wide receiver Parker is an outside wide receiver Gesecki is your stretch tight end and now you have somebody that's supposed to stretch the field but they kind of already have that covered. So are they just going to run four go routes every single, you know, (laughs) like it just seems kind of odd to me. I I understand the playmaker role that he should essentially have there. Um, But I don't love it. I don't hate it between Waddle and Devonta Smith. I've just been kind of like, okay, you know, whatever. I'd rather have Bateman uh, straight up. Even, you know, you talk about trading back to get Bateman. And that's great if somebody's really willing to come up and get Waddle, Smith, whoever, Javante Williams, even. Um, It's just it's that spot where I think you just kind of take your pick of whatever your personal preference is. I don't really think there's ever going to be a community census on you know strictly who goes where because if you look even up and down at at all of the different rangers across all the different websites, there's no consistency with ranking both Smith and Waddle. Uh, at all, uh, they're all of the rankers are between like three and twelve.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Because from all of my so far that I've seen, it's been uh, the top in, in terms of superflex. It's been the top eight, then Javante, then the Alabama wide Series in every single one I've seen. So you know that might just be the, my close-mindedness of what I've seen so far. But I feel like the superflex, the, like the, the tiers as far as superflex have been very clear as far as like, you know the top tier. And then you have Javante, and the and there might be some separate, some differentiation between does Javante go first, or does the Alabama wide receivers go first? But that's
2: pretty much- sure. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. Yeah, the superflex helps helps kind of create the tiers when when you're talking adding those quarterbacks in. Um, yeah, I, I just I think the Alabama wide receivers are probably going to end up going a little bit too high still, even especially in like one quarterback leagues. I, I think them going. Between four and six is too high for my taste.
1: All right, let's move on to Devonta Smith. The Eagles traded up from 12 to 10 to jump the Giants to ensure they would get Devonta Smith. And people are making the you know the the comparisons. Okay, do you want Devonta Smith or Jalen Rager? Obviously, you want Devonta Smith. But this is a very uh, you know hyperbolic offense that could be can go one way or the other. You know, high floor, low ceiling. And Devonta Smith is kind of the head of that, that if if the Eagles offense blows up, Devonta Smith's going to be a wide receiver one in the NFL and wide receiver one in fantasy. Um, but if Hurts doesn't pan out, um, which we have some concerns about his passing ability and, you know, just long term viability, then Devonta Smith is more of a long term, you know, question mark. So I personally prefer Waddle because I, I have more faith in Tua than Hurts and I have more faith in the Miami offense than the Eagles offense um, and also, you know, the slight bump in draft capital. And with Smith, I think it's solid. He's, he's the 10th pick. He, you know, Heisman, all the ridiculous receiving yard records. But I, I'm just not inspired by the Eagles landing spot.
2: Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think, honestly, that's one of the worst landing spots because of Jalen Hurts. Um, as far as a passer, we know what he can do as a runner. Everybody's understanding of that. As a fantasy producer, Jalen Hurts could be massive. It's not going to be with his arm. He is not the passer that Lamar Jackson is. And that's saying something because Lamar Jackson is a very mediocre passer. Jalen Hurts is going to hold that offense back from a passing standpoint. And that does not bode well for Devonta Smith. Now, does that mean he's not talented? Absolutely not. I, I think he genuinely is one of the more gifted wide receivers we've ever seen. We saw him do things uh, that I, we haven't seen a college wide receiver do really ever and what he was posting up for numbers and doing it in the SEC and doing it at the size he's doing it. So the, the very, very slight frame is still a worry for me, but I think more worrisome is the Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Hurts. I I don't, I don't think a, that the volume is going to be there or b the quality of volume is going to be there. So I'm with you. I'm taking Waddle over Smith and I, I want to like it because They need to throw it to somebody. But I just wish it wasn't Jalen Hurts throwing the football. Why can't they just put him in for the running packages?
1: All right, before we head into the rest of our players, let's hear about ourselves, Roto-Viz.
0: Hey, Roto-Viz radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button,
1: Get yourself the RotoViz discount RV Radio twenty twenty-one. Get you a ten percent discount to the NFL uh, to our NFL pass, all the good stuff, all the apps. We talk about these apps every week. You have to be using them to better your dynasty game, better your fantasy game with rotoviz.com.
2: Get yourself some us.
1: All right, let's move on to Rashad Bateman going to the Baltimore Ravens in the late first round. Now, this is a landing spot that was talked about throughout, you know, the offseason, like, okay, the Ravens are going to draft a wide receiver to pair with Marquise Brown. And I was saying in the pre-draft process that I will be a big fan of the Baltimore Ravens' first-round wide receiver because I'm going to like the value of a first-round wide receiver paired with the, you know, disappointment in being in a Baltimore Ravens' run heavy offense. Now, I haven't quite seen – I've seen some people say, like, okay, they're completely out on Bateman. But as far as, like, his ADP, I don't think it's really dropped – significantly to where I would have expected it if it hadn't, if he hadn't gone to a, you know, run heavy offense. So I think that his price is relatively where I expected it to be, but I think he's still value there. I think he's still, you know, worth his value there. Um, so I, I think that, you know, his ceiling is much higher than his current price. If the, if Lamar returns to the 2019 Lamar, then Bateman has, you know, 1200 yard nine touchdown type upside. And so that's definitely something I can get get on board with. So uh, I know you're a huge Bateman guy. Um, So what what were your thoughts on him going to Baltimore?
2: So, I mean, like you, I kind of liked the idea of getting whoever it was going to be for a discount. Um, I don't love it in the short term, just because we don't know if this Baltimore offense is going to return to form. You know, Obviously what they were last year was not good, not good for any, anything we're trying to do um, as far as fantasy players, but uh, obviously Bateman is, Bateman's honestly one of the few guys that I think the, the analytics and the tape match up for. I think everything you see on paper is everything you get on film. He is a dynamic playmaker, uh, a little bit undersized. Sure. You know, he'll, he'll probably get to that 200 mark as far as his playing weight goes, but consider what he has done. You consider his breakout age. He's only 20. That's that's huge. He's getting an opportunity to go somewhere that, you know, really doesn't have a whole lot in front of him. Obviously, you have Mark Andrews there. You still have Hollywood Brown. But it's a passing offense that's been kind of non-existent. You know, last year, obviously, they were bad. The year before, it was, it was good. It was efficient, but it wasn't a ton of volume. So we hope that maybe changes by adding this first round wide receiver. Bateman is, uh, I've, I've had him all over the board, uh, you know, if, if he went, and we had this conversation, you and I, uh, if he went literally anywhere but Baltimore, he was my lock wide receiver too. Then I kind of went up and down and back and forth, you know, I originally liked Waddle more yes, with, the, with the Miami landing spot, and then I kind of considered on Smith there with the Philly spot, but now it's like, I mean, how is Bateman's landing spot actually worse than either one of those two? Because we still don't know if Tua can do it. We know Jalen Hurts probably can't. And we've seen Lamar do it. They just went away from it last year. So honestly, I think I'm re-locking in Rashad Bateman as my wide receiver two in the class. Um, And he's been one of those guys that's been kind of like consensus after Chase, Harris, ETN, Pitts, even after the Alabama wide receivers. And then it's Bateman. He's been like locked in as like the end of that tier or the beginning of the next and really, he should be going probably right after – he should be going either five or six, in my opinion. It just depends on who you like most.
1: Sure, but, I mean, you do have to admit that the draft capital separation is a bit huge between 10 and, what was it, 29 or 30?
2: Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, He went, what, 27 um, to, to Baltimore in – that for sure matters. It absolutely matters. You know, the these NFL teams like chasing Nick Saban players. It's it's pretty obvious. Uh, and for the most part, they work out pretty well. And it's rare that they don't, I guess, especially as a skill player. So, you know, maybe, maybe chasing Rashad Bateman there is, you know, it, it's not the best of ideas. I just think you get the most out of Bateman as far as, the way he projects into the NFL and everything. Like I said, what he has on paper, what he has on film I, to me is more impressive than both Devonta Smith and Jalen model.
1: All right, let's move on to our next player. And it's our first running back of the night. It is Javante Williams, Javante Williams to the Denver Broncos. And on day two, I can safely say I'm going to exit draft season with no Javante Williams. I thought there was a chance I could get a couple couple shares in the late first round, but he's going over both of the Alabama receivers routinely. He's going above, um, no, yeah, basically that's who he's going over. going both both the Alabama receivers and Bateman routinely. And I would, I would probably have both Alabama receivers ahead of him and he would be sandwiched between the Alabama receivers and Bateman for me. Um, so I'm not going to end up with Andy Javante. I think it's a fine landing spot in Denver. Um, if Aaron Rodgers comes to town, it becomes a very nice landing spot. But even then, I'm not huge on Javante here. Um, what are your thoughts on him?
2: Well, I think the landing spot in its own, regardless of of quarterback, has has proven pretty fruitful over the over the last few years. Whether it's Philip Lindsay or or it's Melvin Gordon or even Royce Freeman on the occasion that he he gets a couple of looks. So I, I think I think Javante Williams is is probably better and maybe closer to the other two backs than maybe we're giving him credit for. Now, should he be going ahead of the Alabama wide receivers and, you know, ahead of Bateman ahead of even someone like Terrace Marshall, probably not. I think he's in that mix and that would be, that would be a pick that I would make where it's, it's more of a team need rather than a best player available. Um, but I, I do like the way he plays. I like what he brings, uh, and obviously the the lack of other running backs in Denver. You know, you still have Melvin Gordon, but he's been half dead for like three years. So I, I think I think the landing spot is great. And like you said, if Aaron Rodgers comes to town, well then it's just a smash. Then then you essentially have Aaron Jones 2.0. Yeah, for sure, definitely
1: a. Possibility, um, but where would you see yourself drafting him? Like, is there a spot that he could fall where you would end up with him, or you think you're like me, we're gonna end up exit rookie draft season with minimal or zero of Javante?
2: So you're obviously not taking him in the top four. Uh, I'm not taking him over over Bateman or Smith or waddle I would consider him with Terrace Marshall, uh, Rondale Moore. Trey Sermon. So I, I think if I can get him, if I can get him at eight, nine, or ten, that might even be a spot I trade up to try to get him because I feel like that's really good value. Where, like you mentioned before, I've seen him going really high. I've seen him going ahead of the Alabama wide receivers. I've seen him going. I actually saw him go ahead of Travis Etienne in one draft. So uh, it, it's it's a little crazy. I, I, I mean, I get it, um, but. It's not that's that's too high. I I think the sweet spot is probably eight to ten.
1: Yep, that makes sense. Let's go on to our next one. You just mentioned him. Terrace Marshall, third round pick to the Carolina Panthers. I think think he was in second round, I think. Um, Either way, Terrace Marshall to the Carolina Panthers. This was a receiving core that definitely had a whole. um, Who left there? Curtis Samuel. Oh, Curtis Samuel. There you go. Curtis Samuel left the Carolina Panthers for the Washington football team. And so now they just had Robbie Anderson and uh, D.J. Moore. So this is a team with Sam Darnold, another team that has a high upside, low floor type thing. If Sam Darnold busts, then this Panthers offense is going to be incompetent. <laughs> but if it succeeds, it has lots of nice weapons with D.J. Moore, Christian Caffrey. And the prospects of Terrace Marshall, who played, you know, similarly well as Jamar Chase and uh, and Justin Jefferson in 2019. So um, I definitely think the upside is quite high. He's a second round pick, pick 59 overall. Um, upside is quite high for him, but I I worry about his short term outlook because I, I think that he is a little bit of a third fiddle uh, or or fourth fiddle behind Robbie Anderson, CMC, and DJ Moore.
2: Yeah, a short-term issue for me also is is the potential, you know, medical. Uh I don't think folks were all of that all that high uh on his medical coming through the the draft process, which I'm guessing is probably why he made it to pick 60 or wherever he went. I think had he not had the medical um the medical flags that he did have, he probably would have ended up going in the early second instead of the late second. Um Again, it's a it's an LSU wide receiver that had to play alongside Jamar Chase and Jamar Chase kind of overshadowed them, even though I think we saw some really, really good stuff from Terrace Marshall. And I do think he is going to be a playmaker and a difference maker in in the NFL. Now, like you mentioned, short term's not great. Because, yeah, we're still looking at Sam Darnold as as who's throwing you the ball. You still have D.J. Moore. Uh, Obviously, Christian McCaffrey is going to, uh, to, you know, desire and require a lot of looks. So I I think I think Terrace Marshall is your best one of your better long term plays. I I think he's got a lot of upside in a very, very low floor at this point. He's he belongs. He belongs. After the big group of probably eight guys, maybe ten guys, um, but I, I think once you get into that spot, I think Terrace Marshall. Uh, there's there's few guys at that point with as much upside as he has. Now you could consider the Elijah Moores and the Kadarius Tonys who have the draft capital, but from what I saw in film, uh, Terrace Marshall is the guy that I would much prefer.
1: Now let's move on to our final player of the night, and it's a guy who has been a favorite of mine over the last 12 to 18 months, and that is one, Diami Brown from North Carolina, heading to the Washington football team in the third round. Diami Brown is a guy that I'm excited about, and I like this landing spot, and I I was somewhat worried going into the draft that Diami would fall to day three, and I would have to be like, eh, gross. He goes on day two. That's good enough draft capital to warrant – possible targets and he's going to an offense that has a wide open target, you know, con- you know, target distribution. There's Terry McLaurin, there's Logan Thomas, and there's not much else that's saying, wow, I really need targets. So I think Diami Brown has a chance to, you know, be the wide receiver two there. And I think that that is an offense that is going like Fitzpatrick's not the long-term quarterback answer. So they're going to invest a quarterback soon and that could be, him. Like it's not a young, great offense yet because it has Ryan Fitzpatrick. But once they do get a young quarterback, it's going to be a young, great offense with Diamond Brown, Terry McLaurin, Logan Thomas, and Antonio Gibson.
2: But even so, short-term upside is immense because of Ryan Fitzpatrick. We've seen him support multiple fantasy assets and, and put up big-time points, even at Ryan Fitzpatrick himself. And he's going to be able to support however many guys they want to have involved in Washington. And, and honestly, Diami Brown can be one of those guys. He's not going to take looks over Terry McLaurin. uh, Maybe even Logan Thomas, obviously you still do have Antonio Gibson uh, and, and the others in that backfield. But uh, this is a, in my opinion, one of the better picks uh, for, as far as like a a playmaker standpoint goes, you're getting, you're getting him at what pick like 80, I, I think is where he went. 82. Um, really good value. In my opinion, uh, you're, you know, what he did, I, I'm surprised North Carolina wasn't better. <laughs> I feel like they should have been really good, especially, you know, considering quarterback, you've got wide receiver, you got a couple of, of running backs here. Um, but yeah, Diami Brown is, is somebody who, uh, you know, we had battled back and forth with on in a couple of leagues, I think trying to, to move up to get him or, or to hope that he falls into that place. But, getting him early mid second is kind of a blessing. And he's even gone to like mid late second in some leagues, uh, especially like Superflex. If you're he's, he's pushing that, that two, three turn in some cases.
1: Yeah, for sure. So he's definitely a guy who I'm targeting that late second, early third. And he's also, uh, I talked about this year. I talked about with Russell quite a bit that in rookie drafts. He's kind of like that last gasp of hope because after, after that you're taking pretty much all day three guys or maybe like a day two quarterback in one qb or something like that it gets very gross in terms of this rookie class once diamond Brown is off the board
2: that yeah and that kind of the, his little group there at, at the end it just kind of turns into a I, honestly it's a big list of people that i couldn't pick out of a lineup
1: <laughs> you mean you don't know khalil herbert <laughs>
2: Nope, <laughs> didn't <laughs> didn't know that was a thing until he landed on one of my teams.
1: There you go. All right, that should wrap us up for this evening. Um, shout out to me, I'm editing this episode, so um, you know, I'm not a hero, but I'm a hero. Um, You're the hero I deserve. And also shout out to Justin. Um, you know, we always love you. Uh, and we'll uh talk to you guys next week. Any last words, Dan? Nope.
2: That's good. You gotta you gotta finish this out. Take us uh, out.